Hey, happy new year, Mosaic. Happy new year, Mosaic. It's so good to be here with you today. I love that we get to be here. We get to be online as a community. We get to be together in this room as a community. And we just get to do something really special and unique today, which is to ring in the new year, spend the first Sunday of 2022 together worshiping Jesus. So it's great to be here with you. Um, I know a lot of what is happening right now is that people are looking at their lives and like, what can I do differently in the new year? If I want to be this person in 2023, what do I need to do now to get there? So those are called New Year's resolutions. And they're successful sometimes for about a week, right? Right? No? <laughs> um, but one of the things that we get to do, if you are here, you are part of a we. And so you're, we're not just a me. And so together we get to do that. We get to look at, as a family, what does it look like for us to move forward into this new year with intentions? And so we're just going to take a little bit of time this morning and, and start to look at that, look at some of those pathways, look at the ways that we are going to be challenged individually and as a community to be following Jesus in sometimes new and sometimes more intentional ways this year. And before we do that, we just want to open up in prayer. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come here this morning and we sit and we sing in your presence knowing that you are so worthy. And just even as we were singing this morning, I just had the picture from Revelations of the elders around your throne and how they were taking their crowns of gold and throwing them before you because you are so worthy. You're worthy even I think of the words that they said, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. And so we sit here as your created beings. We want to enter into the plan that you have for us. We want to give you free reign of our hearts, of our minds, of our bodies, of our resources, so that your will can be done. We want to be people who listen to you, who walk with you, and who are being formed in your likeness. So today, we lay all of that in front of you, and we ask, Spirit, would you talk to us? Would you show us? Would you illuminate things from your word? Would you bring to mind the things that you want to show us? And would we enter this new year with even a fresher and renewed vision of what it looks like to follow you? and to make a difference in this city for you. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Kim, as you were praying, I just uh, I took a deep breath. Because um, as you say, all the things about starting a new year, all the ideas run through my mind of what I'm hoping for and what I want and um, goals I'm setting and new habits and, and those kind of things. And, um, and realizing like we we come into to this moment um, with a lot of different uh, hopes and expectations and maybe some things that we're avoiding. And so if you haven't already, I just want to invite you to take a deep breath and say welcome to, to 2022. We're glad that we're here. It's a new year. Um, and uh, it's really important, the things that we put our time and intention to, um, what we focus our mind on, uh, where we allow our heart to, to go. And so uh, Adam, Kim, and I are going to take uh, some time together here and share some, some kind of um, pathways, Kim, you said pathways, some pathways, some steps forward in some things that we collectively as a church think are of, of the most importance. And um, one of the ways that we think about that is, is um, by being a, a people, being a community that's consistently asking, God, where are you leading us? Where do you want us to go? What is it that you want to do in and through us and other churches like us around this city and, uh, and around the world? And we did that collectively, communally, a couple years ago as a church. Um, God provided a really clear vision of who he's calling us to be, um, which is 
just broadly speaking, to make disciples and equip uh, disciples to go uh, and to, to be Jesus' hands and feet wherever God has placed us. Um, this past fall, uh, we walked through a portion of scripture that really gave us some handles for how to think about that and some really key questions that help move us forward where God's calling us. And that's this imagery of gardens, houses, and families. Um, and as I, as I say frequently, if you've been here and you've been paying attention, those are new for you, or those aren't new for you. If you are new here, those might be really new for you. But if you've been around and you've been paying attention, those, we've consistently been referring to gardens, houses, and families. And the reason that we've been doing that is we see a place in Scripture that is in some ways parallels, mirrors what we've been experiencing, um, not just as Mosaic, not just as followers of Jesus, not just as a church, um, but really as humanity. And God provides direction for humanity when we need it, which is all the time. But we have this parallel mirror experience with God's people of Israel that were in exile. So they were taken from their home, the place that they had known and been and were comfortable and loved and enjoyed. They were taken out of that because they were disobedient and unfaithful to God. That's a whole other story. But they were taken out of that to a new land. Um, they were in Babylon. And in Babylon, they were asking God, what's going on? Which way is up? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to become very different people? Are we supposed to find a way on our own? What are we supposed to do? And God gives direction. And so I want to read these verses to you that have helped shape how we're thinking about three really key questions that, that move us forward on our vision. So listen to these words. And again, this is the people of Israel that have been taken out of the land that they love, placed in a new foreign land where they're asking the question, do I become a different kind of person, a different people? And this is through the prophet Jeremiah that God is saying this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And here's what he says. Build houses and settle down. You're you're not going to be moving anytime soon. Build houses here. This is where I've placed you. Second, plant gardens and eat what they produce. You need to eat the kind of food that I've called you to be a people that eats this kind of food, which is a whole other thing about the kind of food that God's called them to eat. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. And the third thing, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters increase in number there and do not decrease. And so we've looked at that and said, plant gardens and ask the question, what is it that sustains my life? The second is to build houses and to say, where I've built houses, to ask the question of where has God placed me? Where am I at? What's the location? What's the place? And third is to grow families and to ask along with that the question of who am I with? Who are my people? Who am I in relationship with? Yeah, that, the, the first question about gardens, that question for us of what's, what's actually sustaining our lives, I think that's a unique question, especially on January 2nd, where a lot of us are probably toiling or wrestling through that question of what sustains our lives, and we might first go to what sustains us physically, um, our, our diet, our exercise. Kim shared a meme um, with me this morning that, that basically said, hey, if, if you made New Year's resolutions... And because New Year's Day was on a Saturday, you delayed it to start on Monday. You are my kind of people. And I thought that's super relatable because uh, we're in this moment where we're really, you know, um, inventorying the, 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 the habits that we have and the things that sustain us. And really, those are really good questions for us to be asking. Uh, what, what, what sustains our physical body, our emotional health, our mental health. But, but before we get to answering what sustains those parts of our lives, we want to first ask the question, what sustains our heart? What, what are we consuming <clears throat> into our hearts and our souls that is sustenance for us? We know um, in, in Scripture, Jesus talks about in a conversation he's having with a woman at, at a, a well for water. He has a, um, they have a conversation about a, a type of bread and a type of water that, that is not just for the body, but it's for the soul. It's for the heart. And this question is before us as we think of this new year that we're starting into is what is sustaining our heart? And a couple ways that, that we're answering that question as a community, um, and they're, they're ancient rhythms. They're not all that original or terribly new. Uh, the first is, is scripture, knowing that this is a living book that God has given us that speaks not just to 
our, our, our bodies, but it speaks to our soul that brings life into our heart. Um, we've, uh, we've taken a break today from our teaching series, but we've been in a teaching series and we'll continue a teaching series where we are walking through the book of Luke and Acts. Um, they are books written by the same author, um, and the intent of this book is written uh, to a person actually named Theophilus to tell them the story of Jesus and to tell him the story of, of the early church, the New Testament church. And so for a undetermined period of time, we'll be walking through um, Luke and Acts, answering that question, what's sustaining our soul? We're, we're going to be sustained by the story of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus and his uh, church at work in, in the first generation. Um, so we're stepping into scripture. Another way that, that we're uh, answering this question, what sustains us communally, is our uh, a, a new adopted rhythm of Tuesday prayer and fasting. Um, every Tuesday at noon, we are here in this place physically meeting for, for fasting and prayer, giving up lunch and coming together to, to pray. And we're also meeting online at that same time. And every Tuesday, there is a guide that comes out in the morning uh, that, le that leads us through scripture and leads us through the practice of prayer and fasting for that day. Um, there's, there's many ways, and there will be other ways that we're answering this question, what sustains you? But we're going to keep coming back to that. What is sustaining us at a heart level in this season that we find ourselves in? Yeah, and the second question that Tim mentioned that we're talking about is what does it look like for us as we build houses? And the question that we're asking there is uh, where has God placed us? Where has God placed me? Where has God placed you? And what we're getting at there is there's this um, thing that scripture tells us in, in Ephesians that, that God has prepared good works ahead of time for us to do. And that means that each of us here has a purpose and a plan. God has a purpose for us in where he has placed us in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. And that is to reach the people around us through the ways that he has designed us. So he has, he's telling a story in each of our lives and he's telling a story of us as a community in this city. And what that looks like is what is the story throughout your life how has God wired you? How has he gifted you? What are the things that you've experienced? And then where are you placed? And how can you live into the unique ways that God has created you to bring his kingdom to the people around you? And so I, one of the ways that we get to do that as a church, we're entering a rhythm. We've done it once so far, and it was an amazing experience. So this is going to be my ad for you guys. Um, is focused living. So we've done it once. We're going to be putting it into a regular rhythm as a church. And this is a way that we as a church community start to look at um, how am I called? How am I designed? What has God created me to do? And then what is he asking me to do wherever I am? And we're going to be doing that at the end of January. And it's going to be a Friday night and an all-day Saturday. And then we'll do something on Sunday morning together as part of the gathering. But this is a way for each of us to be looking at the story that God is telling in us and through us, and then to be doing the work of looking at what has he called us to do? What is he asking us to do? And that's one of the ways that we're just answering this question of where are we placed? Yeah, <clears throat> another tool that we've had uh, for thinking about this question, where are we placed, that maybe you might uh, remember seeing this fall, is something called a neighborhood grid or neighbor grid. And um, it's, it's the, maybe it'll come up, well, hopefully it does here soon. Oh, there we go. Um, maybe you remember seeing this, uh, but it's, it's a way of looking at where am I and who's around me. And, and there's different um, kind of atmosphere or spheres where we can think about that, where we, where we work, uh, where we learn, where we play, um, or where we live, physically live. And I've been thinking about this myself, um, where, where I physically live. We moved to the home that we're in now about a year and a half ago, maybe, and have been getting to know the people who physically live around us, um, our, our neighbors. And I know we're getting to know them well because the other night um, there was someone coming to pick stuff up off my front porch and my neighbor across the street came out and started yelling at them and called us right away. What my neighbor across the street didn't realize is I had sold that stuff on Facebook and told people, it's on the front porch, just come get it. We've been getting to know our neighbors and um, I'm wanting to introduce more intentionality into this 
this reality, this fact that, that there's a reason God has placed us in this house around these people. There, there, there's a reason that God has placed us um, in, in these relationships. And what does it mean for us to engage with these people, to serve these people, to be available for these people? Um, and to answer that question, who, who or where has God placed me um, in, in terms of my geographic neighbors? I, I love that. Jared and I are doing the same thing. We're looking and we're like trying to just be students of our, of our neighborhood. Like who's going out of their, who walks their dogs at what time? I know that might sound creepy, but it's really, we, we found out recently that one of our neighbors um, who has dogs that she just loves. They're, they're really like, what do they call it when they're like your children? Like pet children or pet something? children. There's a name. Somebody so said, said fur babies. We, I like weird, that one. Fur weird. babies. Odd? No. no. Uh, anyways, she um, she just lost one of her dogs, and we and we found out um, just because we noticed that she wasn't walking that dog, and so just the opportunity to be kind of reaching out to her. As you were talking too, I had the thought um, somebody who went through Focus Living last time was is, was also asking these questions about their workplace, and one of the things that I thought was really cool is um, they're a carpenter. And they work alongside other people for long, long stretches of the day doing projects, you know. And one of the things they realized is I get into deep conversations with people in these experiences, and they often go to faith. They often go to what's happening spiritually, and that they realize their calling was as a person who's doing that work to have those conversations with the people around them. That's awesome. That's cool. I, when you said... Jared and I have started doing this. I, what flashed through my mind was, which part of the story were you doing? I thought maybe you were like starting to yell at neighbors. Guarding against porch so, pirates. That's, okay. yes. That only happened once. Um, I, I also heard a story, you know, we've, as we've used this and encouraged more and more of us to, to think through this and to pray through is like, who's, who's around me? Um, somebody shared uh, a story of what that's looked like for them is, is where they go to get their mail in the morning. And, um, it's a it's a kind of a communal mailbox area, and so they've just said when I when I go, I'm going to go intentionally, in hopes of of meeting somebody else that lives in my area, building a complex, and and get to know them. And um, yeah, you, you also said like it's not not in a weird way, which is so funny because I say that now as I hear myself say that I'm like yeah that could that could be weird. But what I think is really beautiful about it is the idea of I'm going to be available. To these, I'm going to be available for these moments. Yeah, I'm going to seize them. One of the things that we talked about back in September and October is we talked about asking ourselves this question and letting this be a, a, a guiding, defining question: is where has God placed me? Is that it? It it helps us reinforce this this biblical reality that none of us are where we are on accident, or that God is not aware of where He has put you. That does not mean that you enjoy where you are at any given moment. But what it means is that God is with you and there's, there's something that he, he wants to do in and through you in, in that moment. And that's even true of the people of Israel. They didn't want to be in Babylon. And yet God was doing things that was far bigger than the people of Israel in that moment. And as they begin to get his perspective for what, why they were there and how to be there, they begin to join more with what he was doing, both in them and then through them, him for really big historical purposes, which is, which is much more of the story and, and really cool. But that, that question is so important. Yeah, which is a lot of the idea of um, of what does God want the people around me to know about him because I'm here. That's, yeah, that's really cool. That's great. Um, third question is this, is when we talk about families, of to, to grow families, we want to ask ourselves the question of, of who am I with? Who am I with? Um, who, who are my people? Um, I got to uh, be a part of a uh, memorial service of, a few months ago, uh, and as the uh, the people um, that have had lost someone talked about who was around them, even in the the details of planning the memorial service, and as they shared in front of their friends and family, they they used the phrase, "These are my people. You're my people. You're here for me in this moment. You've walked through this with me. You're caring for me. You're serving me. You're helping me." Um, and it was it wasn't just family. It was, it was friends. And, um, but I love that phrase of who are my people? Who, who are we with? Um, that is, is such an important, vital question. And as we think of all three of these questions, 
Um, this one, is, for me, seems to kind of continue to rise because of how important it is that we have an answer to this question, who, who am I with? Who am I doing life with? Who am I locked arms with? Who am I going through? Who are my family? Now, that might be, you know, like relatives and blood family. It could be who's my family, my really close friends that know me and I know them and we care for one another. And, we do that. and, and as we think of the other questions, the one that, that Adam asked of what sustains my life, the gardens question, that matters who you're with as you're answering that question. Who's, who's encouraging you to ask that question? Who's, who's holding you accountable? Who's supporting you along the way as you're answering that question? And the second question that Kim asked of um, where has God placed me? Is, God doesn't place you somewhere without a family to be there with. The imagery, I love that, of a house, of building a house is, is a location. That's a place. Now, who's with you near or in that place? Who's, who's the family? Who are you with? These are, this is so important that we are able to answer this question. Yeah, um, it is. I, even just thinking about the, the things that I want for my kids, and so often it is who, who, who they're with. Who, how are you making friends? How are you choosing friends? I pray for their friends. I pray for them to have good friends, and even just, we were, I was driving Gracie home from basketball practice yesterday and talking about, you know, the definition in our family of, of friendship is a good friend is somebody who makes good decisions and helps you make good decisions, and so just that simplicity, but I was also thinking, um, just even as we're entering the new year right now, the the way that I have been thinking actually is is very individualistic. So when I'm looking at my New Year's resolutions or I'm looking ahead at the next year, I'm thinking, what do I want my time to look like? What, what habits do I want to change? What do I want to eat differently or spend differently? And um, just realizing, just reflecting on all of this, how my resolutions didn't really have anything to do with other people. It impacts other people, but it's not like linking arms with other people. And it's really one of the most important things that we can do. So let me ask you this. As we, as we um, ask this question, who am I with? And as you talk about not doing, just thinking through individually, but, but communally, relationally, how, how do you guys, if you each could kind of answer this, what is it that, what's a, a picture of it for you? What's an experience you've had? Uh, what's a place in scripture that's helped form you as you think about answering that question of who am I with? Yeah, I think um, I've heard this phrase in uh, an extended spiritual family. Because my knee jerk when you ask me the who am I with, it's my family, the people who live in my house. Um, but, but as I think about the, really the heart of this question, the, the, the people that are a part of what sustains me and where God has placed me, I think about um, really just needed relationships, um, people who are walking uh, as Christ-centered people as well, um, people who, who want that for me, who see even my life and my family through a biblical worldview. Um, and the, the, the scripture that comes to mind when I think of this, these needed relationships, is Hebrews 10, um, starting at 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, this, this idea of, of being committed to, to people, being committed to spur on and encourage one another, um, knowing that, that in, in kind of the short run, it's a little bit easier to do life alone, but in the long run, the, the price of loneliness is actually much higher than the investment of a relationship. And, and I see this um, probably in a few different ways in my life, um, maybe more communally um, here at Mosaic. Uh, my family was part of what we called a, a family discipleship group uh, maybe three years ago. And the, the idea, the vision for this group is we had all these kind of middle-aged parents with mostly little kids, a lot of mostly little kids. The kids outnumbered the adults. And we were gonna come together while the kids sat at our feet and read scripture together. It almost never worked out that way. <laughs> it was a, a, a bit of, of chaos, but, but from that grew these um, pretty deep relationships. Um, the, the form, the program of that, that group is, is kinda gone, uh, but the relationships are, are still very much intact. 
These are people that we get to do life with, we do holidays with, we camp with, we're raising kids together trying to figure this thing out. And, and what makes those relationships unique um, is that these are other people who are wanting to grow in their relationship with Jesus. These are people who want to be intentional about that, who are, are wanting to live Christ-centered lives. And so this is a way that, that, that I've been experiencing this communally. And then um, probably personally, I've got a, um, someone I've been in relationship with, uh, a friend of mine, um, for, for a very long time. And, and we have this standing meeting every week. And the, the nature of this relationship is it's meant to go a little bit further than, hey, how's your fantasy football team doing? Um, hey, did you read that headline? Like, like it's, it's good. We, we, we chat about those things sometimes. But, but at some point in the conversation, it's going to get to, hey, how, how is your soul? Man, how, how can I be praying for you? And, and if something is disruptive in my life, this, this person's going to know about it. And, and if something is disruptive in their lives, I, I'm going to know about it. And we're very committed to the growth in one another, um, and, 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 and not just relational growth, but growth towards Jesus. So this is some of the ways that, that I'm, I'm experiencing that, and I, I see that through the lens of this Hebrews 10 of encouraging one another, spurring on one another, making the investment in relationship, even if, even if it feels costly at times. Yeah, I love that. Spur one, in, one another on. That verse is so good. Um, for me, the picture that comes to mind is from Galatians. There's a verse that says in Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And another way, the way that I memorized it when I was young is bear one another's burdens. And um, that verse for me just has, there's a picture of what it looks like to be God's people walking together, that we are actually picking up and carrying for other people their burdens and they're doing it for us. And I think the reality so often in our lives is that's not how we're living relationally. Um, there's a group of men in our church and I've been really inspired by them. I I think they've been meeting intentionally for about three years. It might be longer. But um, basically, one of them initiated, hey, can we start meeting regularly? And um, we just want to honor God. We want to be formed like Christ together, and we want to support each other in that. So whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're um, fathers, whatever their workplace is, they want to be formed like Christ and they want to walk with each other in that. They wanted to know each other really, really well and, and pray for each other and walk. To, so they meet regularly. Their friendship has grown over the years and they're like a group of brothers. It's when you see them, you see they are just full of affection for each other. They laugh, they tease each other. Um, they're just it's amazing to see how God has woven their lives together. And I am not like Adam. When you hear Adam talk, you're like, oh, he has this like group that he does this with and this person that he meets with and he asks these questions and it's so intentional. And I'm like so far behind that, but I have been wanting that. I'm a really spontaneous person. And so I'm like, sure, let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's, let's get together. And, um, but I've been longing for, for like the relationship that, that Adam has. And um, just yesterday, a friend reached out and just texted and said, can we get together every other week and just pray, spend an hour praying for each other, for our families, for our kids, for whatever's going on in our lives. And um, the thing that she pointed out in her text that she was really um, drawn, that she was really compelled by was consistency and just what can happen with consistency. What can happen when you set aside an hour every other week? It's not actually that much time, but an hour to intentionally pray for each other and pray for each other's people. And um, I just felt like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that somebody initiated that, that I get to be a part of that now and learn from that. Yeah. So as, as you're describing that, um, one of the things that's going through my mind as I'm listening to that is that, um, like, we're, we're built for this. Like, we, we long for this. Um, I, maybe this is true. Maybe somebody could get here. But it's really hard for me to picture somebody going, nah. Like, I, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need people. Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't last very long. That's not really healthy. That's not how you were created by God. You're actually created for relationship. Um, for a sense of belonging and family and being known. And, um, and so there's a, um, 
it, there's a longing for that. And so, um, so thank you for sharing that, that, um, that it, you use the term inspiring, like seeing, seeing people interact like that, that have known each other a handful of years and God's done something in their friendships is, is really, really significant. Um, a, a few things I heard as you, as you both said that is one is that, and so as we think about answering these questions, think through these, these three things. Um, one is that what, what friendships, relationships, family do you have that is Jesus-centered? Um, hopefully all of us have relationships with people who are not walking with Jesus. Um, we need those in our lives. God's, God's brought people around us intentionally for that. But that's different than, than this, is who is it that's in your life that is also following Jesus? And secondly, that you're, that you're actually for each other's growth and becoming more like Jesus. Um, we probably, many of us have friends that are like, meh. Jesus is hanging out near me somewhere, I suppose, but I'm not really interested in pursuing him, but, but I know he, he, he's there. Um, that's, the, that's the spur one another on, that, that we actually pursue Christ and follow and become more like him. Um, so that's important that it's for our growth. And then the third thing is it's both intentional and yet it's simple. It's intentional where it, it actually doesn't happen just by chance. We don't fall into this. Um, that it takes some intentionality to help it grow into something that is truly what God wants for us. So it's intentional, and yet it's simple. It doesn't require uh, a program or uh, somebody else facilitating and making it happen. It's, it's intended to be something that we initiate and, and are intentional with it, but it doesn't have to be complex or complicated. Now, I, I say Thank all those God. things. What's that? Thank God. Yeah, amen. Yeah, there you go. I say all those things, and, and we can share stories and, and, and hear this and go, yes, I want that. Um, I, and I also want to offer something that I think is just part of our world and our reality right now. Uh, and that is that there is massive and significant and prolonged change and disruption going on everywhere. We, we are in this massive shift and we've said this to ourselves over and over, and I've said this a number of times, is that there's not going to be a, a finish line or a date out there that we'll arrive at and cross over and go, oh, good, we've now returned to what was. Um, that, I say that, and you may want to punch me when I say that, because you're working really hard to be in denial that that is coming. And so I'm sorry to be the one to, to tell you that yet again, but I'm also not sorry. Um, I think that's part of my role, um, and I just think it's true. There's not, that's not out there. We're not going to cross something and go, okay, good, we're back to what was. So much has changed. And so with that, I believe that there is a, a new way of being God's people. There's a new way of being the church that is needed and required for this time, and particularly in the city that we're in. Our city is desperately in need in so many ways, and st- Jesus is the answer for all of that in some form or fashion, and we're called to embody that and be that. And so God's forming us into a new way of of being the church, and some of that is really clear and some of that is not so clear. These three questions, and specifically this one is, who are you with, are helping us as a church step forward into that and to, to, in a very healthy and good way, leave behind any sense of, like, we'll get back to what was, it will be okay. These are helping to guide us forward into who God's calling us to be. Um, one of those, one of the ways that things have changed so much is, um, and just the indicator, the reality check for that is some of the things that we heard is we spent uh, November and December, after each of our gatherings, we just opened up and had a time of a forum for us to kind of share and ask questions as a church uh, over the last two months. And we, we heard some really important things and gleaned some great things from those conversations. Yeah. Um the, the point of the forums, there were seven of them, five of them we did right here in this, this room, and two of them we did online. And the point was just to get to hear, really, from our, our church family, from you. And um, we went into these forums with a pretty loose agenda, maybe no agenda. It was, it was pretty wide open. We just had a couple of topics that we wanted to talk about. Uh, one of them was now and next, which we'll, we'll talk about more um, here in a few minutes. The second one was... Um, what I, th- I think we called also known as, a.k.a. house gatherings. Um, house gatherings served our church family very well in the season where we weren't able to um, have gatherings here or, or, um, or online. Um, 
then once this uh, was opened back up to us, what made house gatherings work really well wasn't, wasn't there anymore. And yet, what we heard um, consistently through the 18 months um, we, we, we weren't able to gather and in the forums was, I've actually never felt more connected to my church. I've been here 10 plus years and I've, I've never felt more known and engaged in relationship. And um, that was a pretty consistent theme that really perked our ears to say, okay, what, what are we learning about how we're gathering in this season um, that, that is going to... Uh, impact how, um, how we go forward as a community, um, if, if people are feeling connected. So we heard that in the forum, um, a deep need for relationship to be with other people. At the same time, what we heard pretty consistently in the forum is, wow, I've, I've actually, through this season of having to step back um, because of, of, of protocol and social distancing and all these things, I've discovered all this new margin in my life, and I'm not in a hurry to give that up. We heard that from, from more than a few people of, of saying, we, we, we have found margin and we're not wanting to just go back to old ways of living, but to actually be really intentional about how we live our lives, how we invest our time and, and, and the things that, that, that we want to engage in. And so holding both of those realities, almost not, not intention, but as, as, as two truths that, that, that we are people who desire to be in relationship with others, who need these needed relationships. Um, and yet, we're, we're also wanting to be very mindful of our, our, our time and the margin that maybe we've, we've taken that ground. And we don't, we don't want to just sign up for a bunch of stuff that fills up our time and occupies our schedules, but to be very intentional. Um, those were probably the biggest themes that seemed to come to the surface from our forums. Um, so what, I want to share something else I I gleaned from the forums, and it really, it has to do with how we want to move forward in, in collectively as a church, uh, each of us asking this question of ourselves of who am I with, who's, who's my family, who am I, who am I centered with, with Jesus on, and, and, and who's helping me grow and become more like Jesus, and how can that be intentional and simple? Um, I, I heard this, you, you said tension, um, this was, this is a tension, you'll, you'll get this really easily, um, from some, from a few people heard heard these two extremes. One was, um, hey, just tell me what to do. Like literally, hey, just, just tell me what, we, what to do. T tell me what to sign up for, or what, what we're doing, how we're doing it, just, just tell me all of that. Um, and, and I say that, and some of you are like, yeah, that, that was me. That, I, I said that, or I had that sentiment, or I, I think that way. And then others of you might be in this other camp, and, and you're like, that, I can't relate to that person at all, because I was like, whatever you come up with next, don't tell me what to do. Do you hear that? That's how it's very different than the, the other one, that those are like extremes. Just tell me what to do. Um, don't tell me what to do. And um, as if like, and, and I want to be really careful with this, like we or I, like as pastors, we don't like come up with, with what to do. Like we don't go in a room and go, okay, let's do this plan. Um, not that we haven't done that in the past or real pastors haven't done that. That's how church functions. I, I, don't, I don't know or that doesn't really matter. What we're really trying to do is say, where is God leading us? And as we hear those two, as I hear those two, hey, just tell me what to do. Like in a, in a good sense, like I'm on board, let's go, just tell me what to do. And the other sense of like, don't tell me what to do. I, I, I want to tell you what I want to do with both of those is that um, God has called us to be a church that is equipping people for what God's called them to. And I believe that that is right down the middle, that it doesn't just provide answers and clear like do this and then, then, then you'll know what to do. It's like, how can we equip and support you in order to be able to make those decisions and directions on your own? And for the person that says, don't tell me what to do, it says, no, you don't get to be way over there. To be a part of a family and a community, we're going somewhere together, and you actually have the capacity and the gifts and the wiring and the calling from Jesus to be following him, and we want to provide some ways to do that and how you can grow in that. And so... Um, that I don't in any way want to make that some kind of a cop-out. I genuinely believe that God's called us that. It's in our vision that, that God has called us as a church in the next few years to equip and commission 500 people to, that will live on mission for Jesus, that will love their neighbors, that will break barriers, and that will bring more God's kingdom to this city and region than there is here right now, that we're part of that. And so we want to provide some ways forward. And so when we ask the question, how do we move forward of answering that question, we've got just a couple really pretty simple things, I think. 
Yes, simple, but it like takes intentionality because it's intentionality. That's the first one. So when we look at our, our New Year's resolutions, like Adam's joke earlier, is so funny because it's so true. Like for those of us who thought, um, I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to work out and I'm going to spend less money and then there's no plan, like how long does that last? Like the work of assessing and going, where am I not doing these things and how, what habits need to change and what do I need to move out of my life to move some things into my life? That's what happens. That's the work that we have to do to actually grow in the areas that we wanna grow. And it's the same with this, to grow in the relationships, to grow in the who am I with, the family. Um, we, it requires looking at my life and looking at where am I. It, looks, it, it requires assessment and it requires like um, a rising to it, a rising to I am going to grow in this way by doing these things. So I just label that intentionality. The second thing, um, way that we're, we're moving forward in this is actually a very, very practical step that we're going to take this morning. Um, over the next three weeks, uh, there is going to be an opportunity after each gathering um, to step into what, what I'm calling a next step meeting to get more information or to actually even be assisted in helping cultivate some of these kinds of relationships. Uh, but, but before even that, the very practical step of assessing where am I? Where are you in relation to these kind of needed relationships? And realizing we're probably all over the board. There's probably some of us, that as we're describing these relationships, you're like, yes, I can identify those. Um, there might be some of you, you're, this is your first day, and you're thinking, I don't even know the people sitting next to me. Um, how do I cultivate these relationships? So what I want us to do today is to actually respond to a very simple questionnaire that helps place us on the map of, of where we are with these, these kind of spiritual family needed relationships and also offers opportunity over the next three weeks to step into one of these uh, Next Step Info meetings. So um, how we're gonna do this, um, bring, bring your phone out if you're here. If you're uh, joining this gathering online, on the top left part of your screen, um, there is a button that says Next Steps Questionnaire. Click that button. If you're here, um, open up your camera app on your phone and point it at that QR code. It's gonna take you to a really brief survey. Um, if you're having any kind of technical troubles getting that pulled up, um, come see me at the info table at the end of this gathering and I can help you. So it's, it's really two questions. Families, who am I with? Um, there's four options. I have these relationships, I'm good to go. Way to go, congratulations. The second option is I have these relationships, what do I do now? Um, third is I want these relationships and could use some help coaching. I want, and then the fourth one is I want these relationships and I'm, I'm new at Mosaic. So if you're, if you're new here and you're, and you're that person that I'm just describing, I don't even know the people around me. So take, take a minute and fill out, that's the first one, then the dates for the meetings is the second one. Give you a, a minute, ready, set, go. You might not be done, or you might be done and waiting for what's next. So um, I want to I want to take just a, a, a minute here, and um, I want to I want to talk about uh, two things, um, and I, I want to talk about money, and then I want to uh, pray for us and invite us to take communion, and those might seem like really unrelated things, and so I want to um, explain to you why I think they are not. Um, in, uh, in scripture, there are, and, and people have taken time to add all these up. Um, I don't know if you've thought about the whole of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. If, if you think about um, how many verses there are on faith, somebody added all of them up, and there's uh, 450 verses in the Bible that talk about faith. Um, and so it may or may not be surprising that um, there are then 500 verses about uh, prayer. Prayer is one of the most tangible expressions of faith. Um, people who would say, I have no faith, will then show up praying. That's a demonstration of the faith they think they do not have. When we pray, we're talking to someone that we can't see. That's an act of faith. And so there's 450 verses about faith, and it kind of makes sense to me at least that there's 500 verses 
on prayer because it's such a, a key part of faith. That's hundreds and hundreds of verses on, on faith itself and on prayer demonstration of faith. Um, I, I think it's telling then that throughout the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, if you add up the, the number of verses that talk about money, finances, possessions, assets, and how to manage those, there's more than a few hundred. In fact, there's, there's 2,000 verses throughout all of Scripture. If you just look at the teaching of Jesus, if you just look at the New Testament and what Jesus said about money, he talks more about money than he does about heaven and hell. Jesus talks more about money than he does about sexual immorality. Jesus talks more about money than he does violence. Jesus talks a ton about money. The only thing he talks about more than money is, is the kingdom of heaven, which he actually connects to money a lot because how we handle money, think about money, live with money, matters of how we experience the kingdom quite a bit. I don't think God needs our money. And so I don't think he, he includes 2,000 verses throughout the whole of Scripture because he's trying to get money. God doesn't need our money. There is so much in there because money can be such a significant part of our own life. It can define us. It can drive us. It can, it can direct us. Money makes a huge difference in our lives. And so God is very concerned, and Jesus teaches extensively on how we can manage it in a way that, so that it doesn't manage us, that so we actually honor God with, with our money. We, uh, we've been talking for about a month and a half, two months, about um, this thing that we're calling Now and Next. And Now and Next is a, an effort that God has led us into to raise as a church over the next two years, all of this year, 2022 and 2023, the next year for two years, we believe God's calling us to raise $2.5 million. And how that breaks down is our, our annual budget is roughly 1.1, so if you multiply that times two, you get 2.2 million. That's pretty easy math for a Sunday morning. And then to add on top of that, to get to 2.5, an additional $300,000. Somebody did this math for me that that's a little over 13% per year increased over the 1.1. But it totals, over the course of the next two years, $2.5 million. That, that's a lot of money. Um, the, the reason that we're doing this is, is twofold. Um, the first is that as God's called us to a clear vision, there's some things that we can do out of the gate to help us be in a better position for that, that revolve around this space, this gift that God's given us. I've kind of called this the second greatest resource that God's given us as a church. Our greatest resource is, is you and I, the people that make up our church family. The second is our, our building and the, the things that we can do in and through it. And so the $300,000 is to help make what we're doing right now, which is a hybrid experience. Part of our church is, is on, online. They're not here in the building. Part of us are here in the building. Um, how we serve and disciple students and kids, how we keep people safe when they're in and around our space. Um, all of that is, is what we want to, to shore up and make sure we, we do really well. Um, this whole digital experience thing is a new thing for us, and um, I'm sure you've been watching the news and what's going on. It's, it's still very important, and it's more and more important, and it's part of what it means to be a, a new kind of church for, for a new world. That's $300,000. That's not a tremendous amount of money. It's less than 30% of our budget for a year. It's, less, it's just over 13% if you divide it up over two years. So it's not a ton of money. The second, and I think actually more important reason that God's led us into this, is so that how each and every one of us, as an individual and as a household, handles our finances before God is of vital importance. And so we're collectively going to grow as disciples in how we steward our money going forward. One of the ways that we're doing this just real practically is that we're asking each and every one of us as an individual and as a household is that we would assess, that we would pray, and then we commit to what that looks like for us between us and God and how we give to Mosaic. And so starting next week, we're going to take three weeks and we're going to talk about this, but then we're going to invite ourselves to commit. Um, I want to say thank you to those of you that through the forums you responded and said, I want to be kind of a pre-commitment. Um, and we've raised, uh, I don't know the exact, the last I was aware of it was about, of that 300000 it was about uh, 75000 had already been given. Uh, I know there's some checks that came in right at the end of the year that I, I don't know those amounts yet, but um, so all, some of that already came in. 
Um, so I want to say thank you to, to those of you. But I want to invite each and every one of us. Abby and I are doing this. We're sitting down and we're assessing. We're looking back at what we've given, what God's calling us to give, and how we do that. And answering the question of why we give. If you do, do not have a clear answer to that of why you would give, that is a great and valuable question. Please do not move forward until you can answer that. If you look around and think, oh, this is what everybody's doing. I should write something down or I should give something. And you haven't answered that question, why? That's really, really important. As we look in specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, there's this whole teaching on how to handle finances from Paul. And the reasons that are giving is because it's a love response to God, because it's out of gratitude for God, because God places us in community. There's really good answers to that question of why we would give. So why and then what? An actual number. And then we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks of, of how and, and how that looks. Um, so we're going to be doing that together. Um, one of the ways that we do know that God has called us to give is to, is to do so cheerfully. Um, and so we've had this practice that we haven't been in because we haven't been passing baskets. We're not going to pass baskets today, but I do want to ask us um, if we kind of remember how to do that. But, but we have said this over and over, but Mosaic, it's time to give. So we want to be a people that give out of a heart condition that's responding to God, and that's actually able to be cheerful. Um, and so, again, if you're new here, if you're watching online, people clap. If you clapped in your home, way to go. Good muscle memory. Um, if you're here and you're like, that is really, really odd that we're talking about money in church, um, and we're just doing what Jesus did. So I think we're okay on that one. And we're clapping. Like, that's really weird. I'm totally great with being weird, and I love being a part of a church that can celebrate that so, so well. But that's part of it is we want to be cheerful when we give. And again, this is a heart response to Jesus. And it's in, in, even in, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's pointing to Jesus' sacrifice as the, as the call to, to give. That because Jesus modeled that, we're to respond even with our money in that way. So I want to do this. I want to invite you to pray with me. Um, and if you've got one of those cups from the lobby that is, is for communion, I want you to hold that in your hand. And um, if you haven't done this before, you peel back the top um, layer, and then you push down the, the, the silver layer, and then that'll pop. Um, and hopefully that goes, that goes well for you. But I want to pray and, and respond to Jesus as, as he invited us to, to do this in remembrance of him when we get together. And so would you pray with me, and then we're going to take communion, and then we're going to continue to sing. Jesus, we want to be a people that are so compelled by your love, by the reality of the story that we told and reminded ourselves of throughout the month of December, that you entered into our space, place, you came to, to us and you, you took on humanity, that you were fully human, that you as the, part of the creation of the universe that has always existed, eternally existed, came into our skin literally and lived among us out of your love for us. No other deity exists that has done that. No other story of other gods have ever dreamed of doing that, that you did that for us and that you gave your life. You died on the cross for us. And so we want to be women and men and families and children who respond to you and follow you and seek to become more like you. And one of the things that we need to do that is to be relying on your grace that was offered to us on the cross. And so we remember your body broken and your blood shed for us. And we take this in remembrance of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.